Let's just start with prayer. Jesus. Lord, we thank you um, for the opportunity, God, um, to come into your place, to come into this place, Lord, that you have graced us and you're merciful, that we have a place that we can come to worship you, Lord, and seek your face. Your love is so wide, it's so deep, and you care for us so much, Lord. And through the pain of life, the things that we deal with, Lord, we know that you are there with us, Lord. In the midst, God, you are always there with us. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. As my pastor says, I pray that you hide me behind the cross and be my lips, Lord. Amen. I'm getting a lot of feedback up here. Can we... Like this? Very good. So when I got asked to speak, immediately the nervousness was entrenched in me. Um, entrenched. Um, growing up as a kid, I was very, um, very insecure. I don't know how many people here who have been insecure in their life, but I know I was one of those kids. And um, I never thought I was worth much. Um, but I agreed, so here I am. So you guys have me today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the difference between um, being in dry bones, being a people of dry bones, as opposed to being people in the desert. Um, there's a big difference. Uh, how many know that dry bones is a form of death, as the scripture talks about, and God needed to come and fill these dry bones with life. Um, and before Christ, just to share a little bit, because you guys see me come here um, every so often, and maybe not know a lot about me. Um, I grew up in a pretty decent home. Um, I grew up in a Lutheran church. My parents were adamant that we went to Lutheran church every Sunday. But beyond Lutheran church, that's all I heard about God. That was it. Um... I kind of joke sometimes that if you find God and the Holy Spirit in a Lutheran church, you're highly favored. <laughs> so, um, but I was introduced to Christ, nonetheless. And Christ was a part of my life, in a way. Um, whenever I thought of the name of Jesus, whenever I looked up at the beautiful cross in the stained glass window of my church, something rang true about that name. Something rang true about this Christ, this Jesus that they talked about. Anybody relate to that? The ring and trueness of Jesus Christ, that name? It's oh, a beautiful name. It, that name wasn't enough to sustain my faith. The name alone. I didn't have mentors to come alongside me and teach me what it meant to, to live this thing out, to really truly follow Christ. I didn't have that mentorship. I had baptism as a kid. Um, uh, the catechism, I don't know if you guys are aware of the catechism, I had that as a kid, but never a truly a mentor. So quickly my life began to like, it began to deteriorate. Um, my self-esteem was so low. I had no acceptance. I thought people always looked at me and thought, who is this kid? What does he have to offer? 
and I couldn't find acceptance from people. So I turned to what brought comfort, I thought. I turned to what I thought was I don't usually get emotional. I really don't. Even at home, I don't get emotional. <laughs> but when I talk about the life that Christ saved me from, I get emotional. Amen? Amen? I do. The life I lived was death. Dry bones. No hope. Lost. I had no hope in life. So I turned to drugs. Alcohol. I think I smoked my first cigarette when I was nine. <laughs> That's pretty young, I think. Started drinking and smoking pot at age 12. Very young. Had neighbors next door who grew marijuana in their basement, so it was easy to get my hands on. And I tell you, when I started drinking that first drink, started smoking that first bowl, I fell in love. I did. I fell in love. And for once in my life, I felt like I had acceptance from people. Anybody like to have acceptance? I do. I like to be accepted. But that's not who I was. But a part of me felt that the drugs and alcohol gave me the acceptance I was longing for. So I lived that death of a life for 10 years, 11 years, 12 years old to 21. 16, introduced to methamphetamines. I was one of those guys who you would see walking down the street, skin and bones, just a mess. You knew they haven't showered in weeks. You know that their mind is lost and they're wandering. There's no hope in their life. You guys seen those people? I was one of those. And as the people cried out when they talked about this name Jesus, they said, what good can come from Nazareth? What good could possibly come from Nazareth? And it rings in my brain that people look at these guys caught in addiction and they're, they're lost and they say, what good can come out of that drug addict? What good could possibly come out of somebody like that? And I was that person. When I was 21 years old, meth lab, up in flames, entrenched my house that I was renting, I lost everything that I've ever owned my whole entire life. Everything. I lost a mother when I was two years old. I had, such, I had memorabilia of her. I had stuff that was so sentimental, so dear to my heart, that I never wanted to let go of it. And I lost it all. One night. How many know that we all lived outside of Christ? That we all have that before Christ moment, don't we? We all have that time where we were living in our own sin. Ephesians 2.1 And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead. None of us are, are without excuse, are we? We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Right? That's what the Bible says. So nobody out there who, um, nobody's better than anybody at this point. We're all one, aren't we? When we come into Christ's body, we are all one. We share in the same love. We share in the same hope. 
We can come along each other because we've been there. We can minister to one another. That's what the church is for, amen? That's what we're here for. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all, right? There again, Paul's writing this saying, this is where I was before Christ. This is who I was before Christ. But then he says, we've all been there. All of us. Right? All of us. We're in this together. It's beautiful. It really is. Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We all come from that place of dry bones that place of no hope, that place of needing saving, right? That place of needing saving. That's why Jesus died. He didn't come for those who were healthy. He came for the sick. How many know that we were all sick? We all lived that life before Christ. We all had that moment before we made that commitment to Jesus. You guys believe that? And how many know, let's go to Ephesians verse 2, I mean, chapter 2, verse 4, A. A. It's a long verse. <laughs> but God. Oh, amen. Think about that. But God. Not but Derek, right? Not but the preacher, right? But God. Jesus, the only one that can raise you out of the dead and give you life. Newness of life. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus came and lived it for us so that he can come in and be our counselor and our guide and say, Derek, you can do this. Janet, you can do this. Preacher. <laughs> He's in this with us, isn't he? When I came to know the Lord, there was so much joy instilled in me. I was on fire. Man, Jesus touched me. Anybody had that experience? Where the fire of the Lord, when you first come to meet the Lord, I call it my first salvation. Meeting my first love. That beauty that comes with it. Oh my goodness. Mm. I remember those days like it was yesterday. I had so many expectations. Plans that I knew that God wanted for me. Plans I know that I wanted to do. I mean, no, that doesn't work out. <laughs> expectations. How many had expectations when you met the Lord? How many had expectations? I did. I had that fire burning so deep. You guys know that feeling when Jesus comes in and just touches your soul? <sighs> How many know that there's an after meeting the first love? That after you meet your first love, life starts to happen. Right? All those expectations, that fire that I had yearning in my soul, these, these things I wanted to do for the Lord. How many know life happens? <laughs> that life gets in the way. The feelings start not to feel the same. Right? It's almost like 
the feeling was once brand new. Remember when it was brand new, when you open that, that gift and it's brand new and you love this thing and, and you, you're playing with your four-wheelers or your nice bow or your shotgun, how many of your hunters here? Good feeling, right? She's better than I am, so. So life, life happens. And how many know within life, the responsibilities, you have responsibility. And not only that, but your health. How many know that we deal with health all the time? I know I do. I've had my own struggles of late. Part of me doesn't feel worthy to be up here and speaking with you guys. But as I said before, we're in this together, are we not? We all get to that place of where is God, don't we? Where is God? God, why am I suffering so much right now? Why, after I gave my life to you and had all these expectations, am I suffering so much right now? Why, when I call out to you, Lord, do you not seem to hear me? Anybody ever get there? Come on, I know we all have. We begin to feel dried up, don't we? Almost like the sponge isn't there like it once was. Does God really hear my prayers? I know what the Bible says, that God hears the prayers of the righteous man. I don't feel righteous today, Lord. Hmm? Anybody get there? The struggles of health that God doesn't seem to want to heal. You call out to the Lord. Lord, why am I going through this right now? Why? Where are you? And we feel so dry. We go into this desert place and, and we're, we're, we're thirsty. We're, we're beat down. You guys hear me? Preach it, preacher. That's what they used to say. I remember those days. So you have life responsibilities. You have health, right? And then you have the world, don't you? The evil world we live in today. All these things are distractions. That's all they are. It's a smokescreen. And it's not that we're dead bones now, even though we feel it sometimes in our struggles, in our midst, when God's not answering. We're still alive, right? There's still that hope inside us. It's not like God's leaving us to the dirt, leaving us to the desert. God's there, is he not? Even when we don't feel him, God is there. And as that scripture cries out, it says, deep cries out to deep. Our soul is yearning, isn't it? Even in those dry times. When you feel God is not listening. I wrote the desert. Though tough, it's doing something. Isn't it ever? How many know as a parent when you're teaching your kid to ride a bike? I'm going to start my son here this summer. Um, He's on training wheels and he's so excited because he's getting those first pedals in. And uh, he's moving along. He's just so happy. But then you say, son, we got to take those training wheels off. Right? There's going to come a time where if you're 15 years old and you're still on training wheels, somebody's going to be questioning some things. <laughs> okay? 
And how many know as a father when you're teaching him and, you, and you're guiding him along and you're, and you're there ever so gentle and, son, move your legs, push, you can do it. How many know you can't be carrying him forever? So the next thing is, son, if you don't have training wheels and your dad's there at 15 years old still moving you along, <laughs> how many know there's, there's something wrong there, <laughs> right? You need to do this thing on your own. Hmm. Who can preach about that, huh? How many know you got to let go? You got to let your son go, right? God says, son, I'm going to let you go. Experience this. How many know the son is going to fall off his bike? <laughs> How many know that? He's going to get scrapes and bumps and bruises, and he's going to be hurt. And he's going to be like, why have thou forsaken me? That's not what he's going to say, but, <laughs> but the idea is still there. Why would you let me go, Dad? Why would you let me struggle? Why would you let me fall and get hurt? And then you go over to your son. You hold his hand. You pick him back up, don't you? Right? Brush off his blood or his, the dirt on his skin. And Son, let's do this again. I'm here for you. I'm not far from you, right? You're there. You're teaching your son how to ride that bike on his own. Doesn't God do that with us? Mm, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Doesn't he? This desert place that we sometimes live in, that we struggle in, is not dry bones. It's not death. It's a chance to grow. It's a chance where I gave you all the tools you needed, son. You're in your desert place. Call out to me. Seek me. Find me. Right? How many know that not much grows up on top of a mountain, right? It's pretty cold up there. But how many knows you can't get to the top of the mountain without Jesus Christ? But God. Amen? In this world, you will have trouble. Right? It's not in this world you may have trouble. Um, you look at these Christian authors who have their glossy faces on the cover, and you think, man, what's, does that guy ever struggle? Ever? How many know in this world you will have trouble? We're all in this together, the same boat. Mm. But be of good cheer, right? No matter what situation you're in, no matter what desert you're walking through, no matter how far off God seems to be, be of good cheer. Amen? We have such a cloud of witnesses before us, don't we? As the Hebrew says, those who have walked out the walk of faith, who has struggled, right? Did you know that the Bible is not full of these high and mighty men, but they're actually human vessels? Hmm. Hmm. We have a great cloud of witnesses. People have been there. We've all been there. And what's so beautiful about being in the desert is 
When you're out of the desert, you can minister to those who are in the desert, right? See, there's a purpose. God's doing something. Amen? He's doing something. I used to hear the statement, the struggle is real. <laughs> yes, the struggle is real. But how many know that struggle is for us to grow? The struggle is there so that we can call upon the name of Jesus. How many know when we're on top of our mountain, we try to do it all ourselves at that point? We try to make it our gospel. We try to make it our way. So we need a little humbling. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for life. We just celebrated uh, Easter, didn't we? The resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe in the God that can roll the stone away? Oh. Do you? The stone that held your heart in your, in your darkness? Oh, I do. I know I do. Hmm. The desert is a place where our faith is tested and proved and where the grace of God seems to shine the brightest. You guys believe that? Because without him, we would be stuck there forever. Without hope. Yearning for death. See, there's a difference between dry bones being dead without Christ and the desert isn't there. In the desert, you feel like you want to die. You feel like there is no hope. But how many know deep down that light is still burning? And you know it's there. That's why you don't give up. That's why you keep moving on. That's why you keep pressing on. Paul says um, in Philippians 3.12, Not that I've attained it already, Paul says, but I press on. That's what he says. He presses on. And he'd been through trials and struggles just like us all. Has he not? And he's a witness to the glory and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life, even in the dry times. Amen? We have that great cloud of witnesses. It's a beautiful thing. The desert doesn't have to be... Oh. It doesn't need to be a place without hope. And when we call out to God in the desert place, when we yearn for Jesus in that desert place, what was sung in Psalm 40 will ring true to us. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. How many knows we need patience in the desert? I do. I feel like I've been in a desert spot for the last couple of years with my children. I feel like they've taken the focus out of my faith. But I love them, so it's worth it. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. You see, when you're crying out to Jesus in that place of desperation, God hears your cry. Amen? Even if you don't feel it. Even if you don't think he's there. Even when you feel like you keep falling down, guess what? God's going to come pick you up. He's not putting those training wheels back on. Nope, you're trying again, son or daughter. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction. 
Amen? Out of the miry clay. Set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. He put a new song in my mouth. How many know you don't want to sing in the desert? I don't. But he puts a new song in your mouth because you cry out to him. You show him that even in your darkest places, in your darkest moments, God says, you still called out to me. You still reached your hand to me. How many know Jesus loves you? The Bible tells me so, right? I remember my destruction, the death I lived, the drugs and alcohol, which I thought was fulfilling me, where I found my acceptance, when really there was no acceptance in that at all. And when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, as many of you here today have, how many know that that's the first love we're looking for? That's the hope we've been looking for. That's the hope the whole world is looking for. How many know that the rocks the mountains, the trees, everything in creation yearns and cries out for Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible says? I'm so blessed to see that you guys are going to Belize and, and raising money for Belize. I think it's awesome that, that people across the world are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's beautiful. How many knows that we needed to hear the gospel? And if we needed to hear the gospel, how much more so everyone else? And if you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, hmm. this is the living, breathing word of Jesus Christ. This is it. The gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe, but to us, how many know that this thing comes alive every time we open it? Every time we read his word, there's, there's breath in that, isn't there? able to lift your soul up out of despair. Open your scriptures. Alright? Open your scriptures. God speaks all the time. If you don't know Jesus today, today's a good day to maybe meet him. <laughs> right? Today's a good day to meet him. I want that fire to yearn and burn inside me again. As the first time I came to know the Lord. Don't you? Thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you guys so much, honestly, for letting me preach up here today. Um, just to be transparent to you guys, I have felt in that desert place. I have lately. I've had my own health issues and things that I've been dealing with. I want to let you know that my nerves were so crazy this morning before I got here, but now I feel refreshed. The way the Lord speaks to us, right? Hearing testimony of what God has done, not just in mine, but your lives. Remembering that time of your first love when you first met Jesus. How can that not be refreshing? Amen. Let's pray.
God, we thank you today, Lord. We thank you that we are no longer dry bones, God, that you have spoken life into us. You've given us a call and a purpose, Lord, today. And we know, God, that we couldn't have been brought into this life without your power, without your calling, without your leading. We know, Jesus, that just at the right time, Christ died for us. At just the right time, you saved us. At just the right time, you brought us out of that miry clay, Lord. Set our feet on a firm foundation. Thank you for that, Jesus. And we want to give all praise, all honor, all glory to you, the God who rolled away the stone. Who rolled away the stone of our hearts and made us alive again with you. Mm, We thank you so much, Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity to speak, Lord. And I pray it penetrated the hearts of at least one, (laughs) if not all. We give this day to you, Lord.